You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Baggernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, the world is abuzz, and everybody has lost their mind because Joe Barry was not fired. And as a result, Matt LaFleur needs to be fired. Brian Gutekunst needs to be fired. Mark Murphy needs to be fired. Uh, the janitor, who's a freaking jerk, he needs to be fired. Everybody should be fired because Joe Barry didn't get fired today. Look, maybe he was going to get fired. I don't know. It, it could have happened. More than likely, though, what was always going to happen is that they were going to let the season ride out. This is what the Packers do with a lot of stuff. You know, they didn't move on from Rodgers when everybody wanted us to move on from Rodgers, and they didn't. They just they don't do that. So they're going to let this thing ride out. You know, we're still in contention. That's the whole thing. Like we're 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 trying to win the playoffs. That's our focus. That's what we're trying to do. That's what we're going to get to. And then when the season ends, they will move on from Joe Barry. And if they don't, then we can, uh, you know, start to riot or whatever. I'm kind of at a disadvantage here because there's a lot of things I wanted to talk about that I kind of covered on Packernet After Dark yesterday. And it's like, do I really want to delve in and kind of repeat myself? I tried to hold back and not talk about it. A couple times I wanted to say stuff and I'm like, no, save it for tomorrow. Save it. And then it's just like the, the floodgates open and it's like, nope, we're talking about it. But I just want to bring something to your attention that, again, if you listened yesterday, you've heard it. Um... Team DVOA has been updated. The Green Bay Packers have plummeted. Well, they're down to the 21st rank football team. Obviously, that isn't ideal. Um, breaking that down position by position. Last week, we were 19th. We dropped to 21st. Our offense is 7% better than average, which ranks 11th. Our defense is 10.3% worse than average, ranks 29th. Special teams, negative 2.3, which ranks 27th. If we get a little bit more granular with that, looking at offense um, as a passing offense, and I should save this for... (laughs) Rushing, we rank 21st. And now I want to talk about the defense. (laughs) Save the passing here for a second. On defense, which again right now is considered the fourth worst defense ahead of only Denver, Washington, and Arizona, ranked 28th last week, 29th this week. 
the um, weighted rank, which is looking more at recent history as opposed to the older stuff, actually has the Green Bay Packers currently ranked 30th, ahead of only Arizona and Washington. Our coverage rank, our ability to stop the pass, is 20.1% worse than average, ranking 29th in the NFL. Our run defense is negative 0.9%, which is actually positive, but you got to remember DVOA for rushing Basically, rushing is always a negative play. (laughs) It just is. We rank 26th in that category. So none of this is particularly great, but I skipped one. Do you know where we rank as far as DVOA when it comes to our passing offense? Let me just read it in order. The number one passing team by a freaking mile, a freaking light year ahead of everybody, is San Francisco. The second highest, which we'll get to, 40.6% better than average. San Francisco, 70.3. Freaking unbelievable. Buffalo is number two at 41.6. Miami is number three at 40.9. Kansas City is number four at 33.3. And the Green Bay Packers are the fifth best passing team with a 20, uh, being 29% better than average. Better than the Houston Texans the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Detroit Lions, the Dallas Cowboys, Seattle, the Rams, Baltimore, Cincinnati, the Chargers, Minnesota, better than all of them when it comes to passing. And again, I, I, I talked about this yesterday, but, but really. So, so as we look at this, there is seriously a problem here. There is a problem in terms of really being able to Find a way to get the best out of people. And, and I think a lot of people are looking at Matt LaFleur like, you know, generally speaking, the team is unprepared and the team and, and there's some truth to that. There, there seem to be these collapsing games and all that. And there's a question of like, how often does that happen to other teams? Because obviously it happens to everybody, but does it happen more to us? Is it more severe? Like the Giants game was freaking brutal. That uh, obviously last week with the defense was brutal. Like it's one thing to have a bad game. It's another thing to like have a historically bad game. It's one thing to kind of dip a little bit. It's another thing to have freaking uh, Tony Canoli over there being the passing guru of the century or whatever freaking award he got. To have the f- worst pass defense in the last five years, according to PFF, last week. But I, I, I kind of see it as two different things. Like that, that's, that's potentially an issue, this whole thing with not being prepared. But there's a, there's a secondary issue, and that is as a coach... Can you coach? Can you take what you have and make it the best you can possibly make it? What is the best you can do with this? And if we say this is a symptom, yesterday I talked about, you know, troubleshooting, but if this is a symptom of the head coach, we essentially have a guy in charge of the offense and a guy in charge of the defense. We have mostly rookie receivers, Tucker Kraft, Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks, right? Dobbs is out there, but he's dropped to like their number four wide receiver. Um, Christian Watson's been hurt all year. So that's basically it. And then we've got running backs that are kind of receivers, but Dylan broke his thumb. Aaron Jones has been gone since forever. So we've got a bunch of guys that have never been here before. We got a quarterback in his first year, right? Fifth best passing offense. I'm sorry, but if we're going to sit here and say that we're not doing a good job, I understand there's been mistakes. There have been mistakes as in terms of play calling in game design and Matt LaFleur has owned up to some of that 
There have been mistakes in terms of route running. There have been all kinds of mistakes, you know, errant throws and bad decisions, but that's to be expected. And again, all I can say is it comes down to trust. Do you trust based on the information? When I tell you this is the fifth best passing offense, given the situation we've had and seeing how sloppy it is, knowing that that sloppy can and will be cleaned up at some point over time when they actually have time to freaking get their feet under them. Like, this will be their first offseason. These rookies, dude, they were in college, right? And then they're prepping for, the, for, for these bowl games. Then they're prepping for the combine. And then they're prepping for meetings. And then they're prepping for the draft. And then after that, they get flown out where they're just on this crash course where they're trying to learn this massive thing. And, of course, they can't actually learn it. Then they get thrown into games, and they do nothing but make mistakes and get yelled at. And then it's like, all right, week one, get out there, stupid. And they're like, I don't know. What to do. <laughs> this is their first year to just have an offseason, to be like, all right, that was your freaking psycho crash course. You did pretty good. Let's slow down. Here's a couple areas where you seem to be struggling. Here's where things are, you know what I mean? And we'll go out. You can go work with Jordan. You know, now that we've worked together, we know what we do well and what we don't do well. And here's some area, you know what I mean? Like we haven't even had that yet. We haven't had that off season. You know, Dobbs and, and Watson and those guys, they had that. And I think it was beneficial. But imagine now you got Wicks out there. Imagine now you got uh, Jaden Reed out there and they're working on some stuff. And, you know, the, the coaches aren't allowed to, like, work with them in the offseason because of stupid effing rules. But you can still, like, send them homework and be like, hey, guys, here's some thoughts. And then they go out and, and freaking smash it, you know. I just can't look at this thing and say, it is a team-wide issue. There are some team-wide issues that could fall on Matt LaFleur, but do I trust that Matt LaFleur can get the best out of these guys? No doubt. Matt LaFleur's focus has been on the offense. Look at this offensive line. It shouldn't work. Look at Jordan Love. What did everybody say? This guy's trash. He's never going to do anything. Look what he did in college. He's the worst. And look what he's doing. You're telling me we're not getting the best out of him? Look at these wide receivers. Jaden Reed shouldn't be able to do this in year one. Dontavian Wicks, and I don't want to take away from the players because they're talented players, and Gutekunst did a good job of evaluating and all that, but you still have to get the best out of them. I can give you gold, but if you don't know what to do with it, it's not going to be worth anything. Other people, you can give them lesser things and they can make a masterpiece out of it. You know, <laughs> give one guy a block of gold and give him a year to figure out what to do with it, and at the end of the year, he's still just got a block of gold, and that's all it is. You give freaking Rembrandt $5 worth of paint, and he's going to make something that surpasses the value of that freaking gold. That's what we need. And I think Matt LaFleur is doing it. And yeah, the run, the, the running isn't there, and that's got to be frustrating because that's a big part of what he does, and I think we're going to work on that. We've, we've exhausted a lot of energy in this defense, and I think there will be a focus. I think we will draft a running back. I think we will draft offensive linemen, and I think that that will improve, and I think our receivers will improve. I don't know that we draft any more receivers. I, I, I Again, I hope we do. I hope we go out and get a freaking stud and then load up on, on offensive line and running back and just hammer the crap out of this. And we got a little bit extra money, sure. Throw it, throw free agency at safety and da, 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 I don't care. Figure that out. But I trust, comes down to trust. I trust that if we put pieces to in front of Matt LaFleur and his staff, that they will do a good job of building. Not perfect. I'm not saying there aren't better. There's better play callers. There's better coaches. There's better guys. But he is freaking good. He's really good. I think he's a really good play caller. I think he's a really smart guy. I think he's really good at game planning. I think he's really good at developing. There are mistakes, no doubt. But I trust Matt LaFleur. Joe Barry is the exact opposite. I, 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 have, I don't care who you put. Take Nick Bosa and put him on this team. I don't trust that it's going to be good. I don't. I've shown you stats where Rashawn Gary has been better than Bosa. 
the hell did we get out of it? Nothing. We had Zadarius, who was the best pass rusher in football. That I think that was Petten. But it, it, it's just, it doesn't, the point is, it doesn't matter. If you got a guy that doesn't know what to do with it, it doesn't matter. I don't trust this anymore. I do trust that. Not everything. And again, the, the benefit of kind of coming back and cleaning this up is once we remove and isolate that issue, once we stabilize that, and let's say we get the defense and, and like that kind of stabilizes and kind of matches the offense, now we can look at the remaining issues. Potential locker room, motivation, preparation stuff where guys don't show up. Now we can start to isolate that and say, okay, what is the issue? Rather than just kind of lumping in like all these issues at once, you know, we can kind of just hone in on a couple of these things and make some decisions. And you know what? Maybe there is a time where we look at it and say, I, I like Matt for a lot of the things that he does, but I don't think we can win because we just continue to have these issues. That that time may come, but I want to take it a step at a time. I want to clean up this defense. I trust Matt LaFleur to put together a really good offense. And if we can do that with a really good defense, I think we have a powerhouse team. And I don't want to screw that up because people are ticked that you know Joe Barry gets to keep his job for an extra three weeks. Just my thought. Fifth best passing offense, and they haven't done very well. I mean, at times they've been freaking unbelievable. And again, by the way, fifth best passing offense, you know what a lot of that has to do with? Matt LaFleur. Because again, this is efficiency. This is a matter of what what DVOA does is they're going to look at each situation. They're going to say, okay, here's the defense you're going up against. It is second down. You are at the 43-yard line. And they're going to analyze this, and they're going to say, based on thousands and thousands and tens and hundreds of thousands of data points and the amount of times that we've seen uh, teams run a play from here, we know what to be expected. And the Packers are the fifth best when they throw the ball at exceeding expectations to the tune of 29% better than the average expectation in that situation. That has to do with, you know, crushing it on third down, scheming open that open guy. That's also Jordan Love throwing those tight passes. That's also the receivers making those clutch catches. And there's, and, and again, the other thing I love about it is there's so much room for growth. The defense has no room for growth. I'm looking at it going, bro, you got everything. Like, I, I, I'm not saying it's perfect, but... What do you want? Like, you want me to add a couple safeties? That's going to fix it? Shut up. You have the most important pieces already, and you can't do jack squat with it. And as far as I can tell, everybody's getting worse. Jair is not as good. Rashawn's not as good. Kenny's definitely not as good. Savage fell off as soon as you walked in the door. What got better? What got better? Who got better? Quay isn't better. Kenny continues to get worse. Rashawn isn't improving since his time with Petten. Preston's not getting better. I mean, I guess Devontae Wyatt, but I, 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 am I supposed to attribute that to, I mean, maybe, I, whatever. Is that it? Who else got better? I mean, there have been guys who have been added that came in that were good. I mean, Rudy Ford has been good since day one. Did he improve since day one? No, he's still Rudy Ford. Devondre came in, was good. He's gotten worse, but like, <laughs> he hasn't improved. Who's improved? Not a damn one of them. I don't want to spend like every day just hammering the same point. I'm just saying, I, I, you know, it is what it is, man. I mean, it's just, I tell you what, you know what I decided just right now? Let me, let me just go through my things here, make sure I'm not missing something that is relevant to what we're talking about right now. Oh, there is one thing, some shower thoughts that I forgot about. Good thing I wrote them down though, because I will forget everything. And honestly, I may have already said this, but it's fine. I'm going to repeat it because I like it. I don't know if you remember this, but there was a time when we were talking about 
defense. And I said, look, th- there's two ways of viewing this, and I honestly don't even care which which path you choose because I think both of them are somewhat understandable. But there, there's kind of two teams, and we'll see how it sorts out. But for, for the time being, I'm okay with, with either camp. But there's two of them. Number one, and, and this largely pertains to the bend, don't break thing. Number one is bend, don't break is a real strategy. It, 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 it has its place, and it's working. The results are the results. Like Joe Barry said, what matters is the scoreboard. That's how you win football games. The Packers are winning. They're doing it based on keeping the points low. And so that in and of itself is, is a success metric. It is the success metric, right? And so I, I looked at that and I said, okay, fair enough. But then there's the other side, which is, and, and again, this the other side comes down to efficiency. It's looking a little bit deeper at it at uh, how well they're actually performing on a play-to-play basis. And again, from a, from a uh, standpoint of bend, don't break, you fully acknowledge that the play-to-play is not fantastic, right? I get it. Efficiency isn't wonderful, but it doesn't matter. The point is, yes, they, they get some first downs, they drive down the field, but eventually we get a stop where it matters, and, and that is what matters. So I don't care what the efficiency metrics say. I don't care what DVOA says. I'm looking at... The points scored, and the points scored, I think, at one point were like 10th. I know we got to 11th. Maybe it was even higher. It might have even been like 9th at one point or something like that. They were top 10. From the efficiency side, though, my thing was, and this is the camp that I was on, there are certain times where you look at it at, at, at a stat or a metric, and, and they don't align. One example would be like a guy who has a really low pressure rate that has like a bunch of sack. You know, they'll have like a 9.2% pressure rate but they had 10 sacks on the season, and it's like he's a good pass rusher. And listen, if, if the goal is to get sacks, there's no question he did a great job. That isn't really what's what's bothering me. The, the, the question for me is, was that somewhat of a fluke, and is he going to be able to replicate that? And I don't think he will, because what he's demonstrated is that despite the fact that he was able to get the quarterback down more times than you would expect based on the amount of pressures he got, congratulations on that, the fact that you're not able to beat guys one-on-one very well, if I had to bet, massive regression is coming, and usually I'm right. When I look at the efficiency thing, and the efficiency says this is you know, the 25th ranked defense, and the points say it's the 10th best uh, defense, there's a big gap. Some, usually they correlate, but there's a gap in this case. And again, there's the one explanation, which is, hey, it's been don't break, that's why. Meaning low efficiency is expected, but we still get the results we want. My thought is that eventually this is going to fall apart. Because what you're demonstrating is that on a play-to-play basis, you're not doing a good job. And the fact that the points are low are fluky. And a lot of fluky things happen in football. Like, you'll, you'll get that big breakthrough pass breakup, that, the big sack, the, the big turnover, or whatever it is. You get a, an, an errant pass on a third down, which forces them to kick a field goal, which they miss. You know, and it's, there are things like that that are fluky. But when I look at it, and DVOA says, dude, I'm telling you, on a, on a play-to-play basis, this team sucks. Like, they are underperforming. Because, again, what is DVOA looking at? Here is my expectation based on thousands and thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of data points of teams running plays. This is a third and nine from their own 35-yard line in the second quarter with 245 left against the 30th ranked offense. Like, here is the absolute expectation. And we are 25th in trying to meet that expectation, which means we're not doing it. We are, we are a subpar team on a play-to-play basis. And my expectation is, and again, I said, listen, pick either side because I think they're both fair and, and potentially true. I don't know. But my, my theory was that, first of all, I'm on the efficiency side. And second of all, I think that that 
10th best defense thing is eventually going to fall off because we're not actually that good. Do you know where we rank right now in points given up? We've dropped to 17th and 22nd in yards, meaning DVOA isn't moving toward points. DVOA isn't starting to recognize, oh, actually they are good and it's drifting toward top 10. No, the points are drifting from 10 to 25. And if this went on indefinitely, I think eventually our defense would be closer to 28th in points and yards because that's what we are on on a play-to-play efficiency basis. That's what we are. And I think over an infinite period of time running an infinite number of plays, I think you would have the 28th ranked defense in points and yards. Because I think, again, I think this bend-don't-break thing is a cop-out. I I don't think defenses try to be bend-don't-break. I think bend-don't-break essentially means we're not very good, but we got some playmakers that hopefully over time will eventually make a play. And that's what this team is. It is a team full of studs that is run poorly. And eventually the studs break through and make a big play and bail out the defense and suddenly they look good. It's not a strategy. Nobody says, oh, I hope they get a first down here. Let's let them get seven first downs and then we'll get a pick. That's not a strategy. Ben, don't break just means you suck. And then you tight at some point as you drag down the field, you uh, you get a stop. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm not impressed by by your ability to do that. Like what idiot can't do that? And I understand there's some more complexities to it, but good Lord, like we're going to play conservative to make sure you don't have the big play, which means you're going to probably convert a bunch of smaller plays, which means you're not going to get very far on a play-to-play basis, but you're going to work your way down the field. You're going to get a lot of completions. You're going to run a lot of uh, plays on the ground that get, gain a bunch of yards. You're going to get a bunch of first downs. You're going to you're going to drive a lot. And our plan is, you know, because the NFL's kind of fluky and crazy stuff happens, that something crazy will happen negatively toward you over the course of this 15 frickin' play drive. And sometimes, yeah, it doesn't happen at any point, and you end up scoring. But a lot of the times we look good and hey, haha, the defense got it in the end. I guess they don't suck. Bro, you have sucked for 48 plays in a row. And then you got to pick. Shut your stupid mouth. <laughs> Freaking kidding me. Anyways, I want to have some fun today. Um, we could go through the press conferences and blah, blah, freaking blah. I just let's have some fun. All right. So here's here's the thing. We got um, obviously two breaks. So I got two more segments coming up and these might take a little bit of time, but we're going to do it. All right. After the break. We've got an article from Pro Football Network. Very, very good website. Uh, They do some good NFL stuff, but fantastic for the draft. Tony Pauline and whatnot, and they got, um, what's his name, Ian, uh, whatever. Some real good draft people over there. They put together an article article called NFL Draft Rumors with a bunch of different rumors about who's planning on doing what. Now, we're so far out, most of this is probably BS, but I don't care because it's fun. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to do a mock draft based on all the rumors, and we'll see how it plays out. We'll see where the Packers end up. And obviously, that's where we'll spend most of our time kind of going through some of that stuff. But that's what I want to do. And then after our second break, we'll do some calls because I want to try to get caught up on those as best as we possibly can. I hope this doesn't take too long. I got to keep my comments as, as few as possible. But I always forget there's 32 teams. If you spend five minutes talking about each pick, this is going to take an eternity. That's like, what, two and a half hours? So <laughs> you can't do that. One minute max. Um, I I do want to uh, reiterate what I talked about yesterday uh, real quick. If you're interested, I'm considering, if you're willing, doing a third bonus podcast. And the third bonus podcast is there are listeners who want to just buy a show. Essentially, here here are your topics for the day. Here's what I'd like you to discuss, et cetera, et cetera. 
I don't have a name for the show, but we'll figure something out. And of course, it'll be sponsored by whoever you are, whoever you'd like your name to be. This episode is sponsored by Jibbity Chabbities. So again, this is not a full, this is a thing that just came up today. So I haven't fully thought it out, but at this time, just reach out to me and we'll figure something out, but we'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right. So again, this is going to be a mock draft based almost entirely on draft rumors. Obviously, we don't know all of the rumors. Uh, In other words, not every team is covered, but I just thought it'd be fun to kind of go through and uh, play by play, whatever. So number one is the Bears, which is great because the first rumor they have on here is Chicago Bears won't pass on Caleb Williams. Bears GM Ryan Poles didn't draft Justin Fields, so there's no allegiance to the dual threat quarterback. If UFC star quarterback Caleb Williams checks out well during pre-draft process, he will be selected for the Bears with the number one overall pick that Chicago received from Carolina. This is, by the way, written by Alan Kaplan. Now, these guys are talking to people. They're talking to scouts, whatever. It doesn't necessarily have to be anything concrete. He could be talking to like a giant scout or something, and he's like, dude, there's no freaking way. And in reality, there is a way. But I I love it when they're so definitive like this. I mean, the, the sentence was, he will be the selection for the Bears with the number one overall pick. So there you go. Uh, next up is the Patriots. By the way, the, the draft order right now, Bears, Patriots, um, Cardinals, Washington, Chicago, Jets, Giants, Chargers, Titans, Falcons. That is the top 10. And then the Packers are sitting at 11. Second rumor, New England Patriots are linked to Drake May. From talking to a source with knowledge of the situation, third-year New England Patriots quarterback Mac Jones looked like he was clearly the player of the future at the position after having a stellar rookie season. 
However, Jones dropped off badly during his second season due in part to questionable coaching. He has struggled so much in 2023 that former first-rounder has been benched. Meanwhile, North Carolina quarterback Drake May is very well-liked in the scouting community and makes sense in New England to be their quarterback of the future. Now, that's uh, pretty weak, but I don't care. It is the rumor. Drake May is officially the quarterback of the New England Patriots. Next up is the Cardinals. Guess what the next rumor is? The Arizona Cardinals. Here's what it says. Arizona Cardinals are Marvin Harrison Jr.'s floor. In other words, he will not fall farther than the Cardinals at three. Well, number one is gone. Number two is gone. That kind of tells us all we need to know. Here's what they have to say. Arizona has a ton of needs for the future, but you can't pass up a generational talent in Marvin Harrison Jr. The Cardinals do have a dire need at receiver and can address the other positional issues as the draft progresses. Harrison hasn't declared his intentions, blah, blah, blah. We don't care. As far as we're concerned, he's in it. So Marvin Harrison will go to the Cardinals. Next up, Washington. The next uh, little note here is Washington. Trenches are considered Washington's biggest need. Washington's roster is lacking, and they could look at a variety of players in the first round. The two biggest immediate and future needs are considered to be on the offensive and defensive lines. But getting a tackle who can start right away at left tackle or right tackle and eventually replace veteran Charles Leno is preferred. Hmm. Let's see who number four is on the list. Oh, they have Joe Alt. Now, I don't want to get into the whole back and forth about which one's better, but Joe Alt has passed Fashanu. This is... Uh, Pro Football Network's draft, so they have their rankings. I think the uh, 2024 consensus big board, I believe Alt has passed him. Yes, they have him at five. So it is what it is, man. And I do like Alt. He's a he's a good freaking, he's a good boy. He's a good boy. Joe Alt to Washington. Now is where it gets a little bit interesting because the Bears are back up. We don't have a second rumor for the Bears. Now, I think this only goes one of two ways, right? The obvious thought to me immediately is Fashanu, which would mean that, you know, Caleb Williams is the top prospect, then Drake May, then Marvin Harrison, then Joe Alt. We've literally gone exactly in order, and Fashanu is number five on the list. But there's been a ton of talk about Marvin Harrison to the Bears and the benefit that that would have. Now, that's generally tied to that quarterback, but we got a new quarterback, and da 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 But my thought is, if you think the quarterback is somewhat the problem, you probably believe in a lot of your guys. Like, you've got a tight end that's coming along. You've clearly got a number one wide receiver. The rest of the guys, whatever. But especially Caleb Williams, my concern would be pressure. I would want to shore up the offensive line. I'm going Fashanu to the Bears. So Bears have gone Caleb Williams and Fashanu. The Jets are up at six. There is one note about the Jets. It says, the offensive tackle position for the New York Jets has been a problem for years. Some... Uh, someone like Alabama's J.C. Latham could be their long uh, their long time left tackle. He would join center Joe Tipman and guard Elijah Vera Tucker as core of the offensive line for the future. Now, this does certainly break from tradition a little bit, but it's not terrible. At six, we're picking the ninth best player. And again, I want to go just based on rumors, so I don't need to look any further. They said J.C. Latham. Guess what they're doing? It's J.C. Latham. Giants are next up. What do we have about the Giants? It says quarterback may not be a priority for the New York Giants. The Giants have a ton of current and future needs. GM Joe Schoen recently said they plan to go with quarterback Daniel Jones for next season as their starter once healthy. So getting a quarterback doesn't seem like a priority, at least early in the draft. So we know what we're not going with. I would love to go offensive line because of what a freaking disaster that is. Of course, you'd never know that if you watch the Packers game. But as I said, disaster. But um, because I'm not sitting here trying to get too in-depth with this stuff, I'm just going to peek over at NFL Mock Draft Database 
And as I scroll through, you've got these players and where they're projected to go, right? In other words, based on mock drafts, the, these are where generally, like if you look at Jaden Daniels, where where is he projected most often? It's the Falcons. Now, Dallas T- Turner is also the Falcons, but whatever. So I'm scrolling through. I'm like, all right, where does the who has somebody that's the giant? And it is wide receiver Keon Coleman out of Florida State. That jives fairly well with what we've got so far. We are picking at seven. Keon Coleman is currently sitting at 10. So we're going to take Keon Coleman for the Giants. Chargers are sitting at eight. And what do we got? It says, we don't know what type of defensive scheme the LA Chargers will run going forward until they hire a new coach. However, it's obvious that they're in need of pass rushing help for the future. With this in mind, Florida State's Jared Verse should be in consideration for their first round pick. Okay. Now, Pro Football Network does not like Jared Verse. They have him dropping to 23rd but I don't care. That's what we're doing. Then we get to the Tennessee Titans. We have Tennessee Titans offensive line considered one of the worst. It says it's not ac- it's not exactly a secret that the Tennessee Titans have one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. Look for them to address at least one of their needs at tackle in round one with the center position also needing an upgrade. Now we've gone pretty heavy offensive line so far, which does not leave us with a ton of options. But again, we're sticking with this. And uh, I tell you what, I think this guy's very good. I think he continues to climb the boards. It's not that massive of a reach right now. Um, I'm going to have the Tennessee Titans select. I forgot how to say his first name, but Fuaga. I always forget how to say it, but you know, the offensive tackle from Oregon State. All right. We're all ready to pick 10 and the Falcons with, so we got one pick left. And so this is the point when Packer fans, I mean, the whole time Packer fans are doing this, but we're looking at the board right now. And what do we got? You got tight end Brock Bowers. Now, it doesn't feel like a thing you'd want to do because we already got two guys, but I mean, there's a part of you that has to be looking at that going, I mean, you know, three tight ends is a thing. We'll swap out Josiah DeGuara. We can put Kraft in the DeGuara spot. Maybe the Mercedes Lewis spot. I don't know. And then maybe Bowers can be... It doesn't matter. It doesn't freaking matter, bro. Bowers is a freak. All right. You got Malik Neighbors still on the board. Dallas Turner, edge rusher, possible... Uh, Terry and Arnold corner, Cooley McKinstry corner, Jerzon Newton, Roma Dunze. I'm just saying. JJ McCarthy cornerback? I'm just kidding. But that depends on what the Falcons do. And that brings us to our Falcons note. Nate Wiggins could fill a huge cornerback need in Atlanta. Atlanta's been looking for someone to line up for the long haul at cornerback opposite AJ Terrell. The franchise may be able to go back to the school where Terrell prayed, played and find their answer. Clemson's Nate Wiggins would be a solid match on the other side. So there you go. At uh, number 18 on the board, the Falcons picking at 10 select cornerback Nate Wiggins out of Clemson. The Green Bay Packers are on the board. And let me tell you, let me tell you, we have to pick. I'll just, I'll just bring it down to three right now. Malik Neighbors, Jerzon Newton. Cooper DeGene. They're just sitting there. I'm, I mean, I, how far do we have to move back to get two? Because I'm guessing these guys are going to start flying off the board and we're going to miss out on neighbors. So we probably shouldn't do it. And I have a feeling I, I can almost hear, and maybe I'm wrong. I feel like Jake is out there somewhere. I hear something faint in the background. Somebody's screaming about, if you don't pick neighbors, I'll stab you in the neck. Like it just, I feel like I'm hearing that. It sounds like it's Jake, but I don't know. And I know he's a big Jerzon Newton and Cooper DeGene guy, but I don't know. It sounds like his voice saying that. Like, I'll kick you in the face repeatedly. It's weird. Like, Jake, calm down. By the way, on the consensus big board, Malik Neighbors is the number four overall player. Here's the thing. 
you, you all caught me at a weird time because I just got done with Packernet After Dark. And if you listen to it, I got to a point where I just said, bro, if we had an elite number one wide receiver, if we just had that guy and then we continue to hammer offensive line and we grab a running back that's sort of an Aaron Jones replacement, I just, I mean, the, the, the sky is the MF and limit, bro. Like I'm, I'm, I'm shaking just thinking about it. And you've got the fourth best player in the entire NFL draft sitting there at pick 11, wide receiver, Malik freaking neighbors. I think that's going to be the pick, but why don't we look at him a little bit? Let's let's slow down. Let's take our time. We got like five minutes in the first round to make our pick or some obscene long time. It's like 15 minutes. I don't know. It's a long time. You want to know the first thing I love about Malik neighbors? And this is going to sound stupid, but I guarantee there's some of you out there that are like, I get that. How tall do you think Malik neighbors is? Six five, six four, six three. He's six foot. Dude is six foot two hundred pounds. No red flags, but not a damn thing special about that. You know what he's expected to run? Do you remember what I said yesterday? Marvin Harrison in the four threes, Roma Dunze in the four threes, Xavier Leggett potentially four twos, Mecca Buka four threes, Xavier Worthy four two nine, Troy Franklin four threes. Do you know what he runs? Four four flat potentially. I don't know. Just saying. This is like. It's exactly that guy. It's, it's like Devontae, although Devontae was relatively slow, even though at the time it didn't matter. But I love it because I just feel like the best receivers are never like the six foot five, 225 pound, four, two, seven runner. Like those guys are crazy. And, you know, Christian Watson's one of those guys and he's good. He's really good. But it's just, there's something about like, I'm, I'm here. I'm here as like a top five player in the entire draft at 200 pounds, six foot running, you know, I'm, I mean, he's, he's, he's not slow Four, I mean, four, four used to be blazing fast. Now four, four is like <laughs> four, four is what four, five used to be. It's like, eh, it's not great, but whatever. He's just right. The, he's, he, he just checks the boxes. And then you go look at what he does in college and you look at his grades. You want to know what they are week to week? 65, 83, 93, 84, 66, 88, 73, 85, 82, 78, 77, 82. He had two games in the 60s. His lowest game was week one, 65 receiving grade. 12 targets, six receptions, 67 yards. No drops, 1.52 yards per route run, which, you know, not great, but it's, there's nothing bad about this. And by the way, that's technically above average. 60's average, 65 is above average. This is his worst game, week one. Dude has 86 receptions, 1,545 receiving yards, 14 touchdowns, 93.3 PFF grade, 93.5 receiving grade. He's basically 50-50 between the slot and the boundary. So he, he does both. He moves around. He's versatile. R- remember, Devontae Adams was dominant from the slot. If, if he ever got moved to the slot, he would be the number one slot player in football by a freaking metric. But the, the point is, he's so good, you put him on the outside. But he'll kill you in the slot. He was so good in the slot. Malik's kind of that way. Like, he's so good, he's your ex. But if you want to put him in the slot for a matchup or this or that, like, he, he will kill somebody in the slot. No question. Yards after the catch per reception, 6.7. Yards per route run. Remember, two yards per route run is solid. Like, Devontae was, was like twos. He's at 3.81 yards per route run. That's not even per catch. We're not talking like every time he catches it, he gets you five yards. No, I'm talking about every time his feet leave the ground and he runs a route, he's getting you four yards. On average, by the way, 18 yards per reception. 
Average depth of target was 12.5 yards. He had five drops on the season, 5.5% drop rate, which is relatively low. It's not the lowest, but it's not bad. I mean, for context, he had an 80 drop grade. His contested catch rate was about a 50%, which about what you expect, I suppose. 30 missed tackles forced. That's 3-0-30 and a 142.7 passer rating. Now, this is college. I'll grant you that. But he's playing for LSU. He's not He's not over at, you know, playing for Army or, or uh, freaking whatever. You know, he's going against Florida State, Mississippi State, and, and Arkansas, Ole Miss, Missouri, Auburn, Alabama, Florida, Georgia State, Texas, and like these, these are good football teams. He had one, two, three, four, five games. His final five games, he hit over 100 yards, and he had touchdowns in every one except one of those games. Against Florida, he, he only had 132, 22 yards per reception, and zero touchdowns. He had over 100, since week three, he had over 100 yards in every game except Auburn, where he had 89 yards and a touchdown. Since week three, his yards were 239, 130, 102, 146, 89, 121, 170, 132, 140, and 122. He cracked 100 yards since week three almost every week. Even even if you just look, I mean, there were three games the entire year he didn't have over 100 yards. He had over 10 yards per reception in every single week. He had over 20 yards per reception. Let's see, one, two, three, four different times. He had over 30 yards per reception against Army. Four receptions, 121 yards, and two touchdowns. <laughs> but I, uh, I found that sheet that I did. I was hoping that I didn't have Malik Neighbors as like the number seven wide receiver, but I did have a number two behind Marvin Harrison. Um, I went back and watched his game just now against Alabama. I don't know if that's the same one I watched last time or not, but um, there's definitely some questions. For example, I didn't see him get off of press. There was only a handful of times Alabama got up in his face and they ran every time. Um, he works really well in space. I just want to see, like, that, that was my thing with, you know, Justin Jefferson being like Devontae. Like, his ability off the line is stupid. That's not the be-all, end-all, but I'm, I'm just curious. Like, if I see him do that, if he can just get off the line basically untouched in press coverage, oh, my good Lord. But check this out. Final thing, and then we'll take our break. Decided to go over to SIS and just see what happens. I put a minimum of 75 targets, which gives us how many college-wide receivers? 117 college-wide receivers. I'm looking at total value and the different values that they have. Again, 117 different college-wide receivers that have had 75 targets minimum. Points earned per route. Malik Neighbors, number three behind Ricky White of UNLV and Marvin Harrison being number one. Points above average per route, same thing, he's number three. EPA per target, Malik Neighbors is number four. For reference, it's a brand new group. Elijah Surratt out of James Madison, Brian Thomas of LSU, Troy Franklin of Oregon, and then Malik Neighbors is number four, EPA per target. Positive play percentage, he's fourth. Elijah Surratt, Brian Thomas, Drake Stoops, and then Malik Neighbors is four. So again, a lot of these are like different. Where, where the heck is our guy from Ohio State? Duty, duty, can't find him. Oh, there he is. He's 34th, right? So these things, it's just different. He's still top five. What about boom percentage? So what percentage of your plays or receptions or whatever are big plays? Like really good ones. First down conversions on third and eight or whatever. Malik Neighbors, Number one, 46.3%. What about bust percentage? How many, how many times do your plays end up being massively negative? 
He's fourth best at just 7.3%. Troy Franklin, Drake Stoops, and Elijah Surratt are the only three ahead of him. He is top five in every single metric as far as points earned per route, points above average per route, EPA per target, positive play percentage, boom percentage, and bust percentage. Top five in every single category. He is the only wide receiver that is top five, and I think even top 10 in any of these categories, or all of these categories. If you look at yards per route run, another fantastic metric. Again, how many wide receivers are there? 117. He's number two behind only Ricky White of UNLV at 4.1 yards per route run, according to this, which I think differs from PFF. His yards per target, he is third behind Brian Thomas and Xavier Leggett. Now, there are some other metrics here that he is not top five in, first down percentage, average depth of target, um, drop percentage, whatever. Dude is a good football player. He just is. I mean, even if you look at broken tackle plus missed tackle rate per reception, right, he is um, 13th. Oh, my goodness. Out of 117 wide receivers, he's 13th. What a loser. With that said, (laughs) the Green Bay Packers will be selecting, with the number 11 pick, Malik Neighbors, wide receiver, LSU. And you can take your negativity and your Packers will never draft a wide receiver nonsense, and you can shove it. You know what this is going to do, by the way? Just having these kinds of conversations, I guarantee you, because... There's a part bubbling up in me, and I, it's it's a it's a naughty part. It's 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 sick and twisted, and it's naughty. But it wants the Packers to kind of make sure we're we're a little bit close, just to make sure we can get a guy like Malik Neighbors. I know that's a loser's mindset. I get it, but I'm just saying, like, you know, I don't know that Neighbors makes it to 11. I get the rumors, like that's that's cool. It's cool that, you know, I mean, Caleb Drake, Marvin Harrison, that should be a lock. You know, the next two being offensive tackles, that feels like a lock. So now we got what? We got five more to go. The Jets need offensive line. That feels safe. I don't think they're going to go wide receiver, so we're good there. The Giants, though, I mean, I went Keon Coleman. That's maybe a Malik Neighbors thing, but we don't need to think negative thoughts. Um, You know, I'm just saying, like, we're in that range, we're in the range. I, I feel like through six, we're safe. After that, it becomes a question mark. So, I mean, if you lose a couple games and the Giants win a couple games with, uh, you know, Tony Tony, uh, Tony Bags over there, you know, A.O., freaking Jimmy DeGreek, win a couple games. I don't know. I, you know, these things have a way of sorting themselves out. But I tell you what, Malik Neighbors goes and you get a consolation prize by the name of Cooper DeGene or Jerzon Newton. I mean, I guess you get over it. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll take some calls and we'll get out of here and go to bed. You guys, uh, you, you guys, nothing. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Hi, Ryan. Um, just calling the talk about my frustrations with this game. Joe Barry, like I said, and watch my other phone calls, he needs to be gone. He needs to be, because that was atrocious. Worst called game I've seen in a long time. I'm, he, needs, he needs to be pushed out of that window in the press box. Have a good day. Bye. Well, I don't, I don't think I could legally comment on that, but <laughs> I will... Uh... I will mention that uh, I'm not super thrilled with his performance. 
and that I wish him a long and healthy and prosperous life. So there we go. Hey, Ryan. Hey. What's up, man? It's Joe the Janitor. Joe the old janitor. From Connecticut. What's going on, man? Um, just finished uh, watching the game. Um, yeah, pretty upsetting. Uh, one thing I got to say, uh, I think Jordan Love has proved to me at least that um, he definitely deserves um, another chance next year. Yeah. Proved he's definitely our quarterback for next year. Um, I'm not going to blame this loss on Jordan Love. Yes, a couple of sh- But uh, mainly, I just got to say, uh, our defense um, sick of Joe Barry sucks, and uh, want him fired. I'm not going to blame Joe Barry. I mean, the, the players played, but Joe Barry never puts them in a position to succeed. So it's his fault ultimately. But yeah, our defense is terrible. Getting Stokes back should have been huge. Um, didn't seem to tilt anything. Um, Baker Mayfield was out there looking like Joe frickin' Montana. And um, it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable that Tommy uh, Cutlets there. Yeah. Uh, looked like an all-star. Now Baker Mayfield just looks like an all-pro Hall of Famer. Um, yeah. yeah, I know we had a lot of players hurt, but it's not an excuse. There's no excuses for how crappy our um, defense played. But, um, you know, offense, they, they stuck around for a while. Um, I was hoping Jordan Love got another chance to touch the ball at the end of the game, but... Our defense can't make a stop on third and eight, third and six, third and anything, really. Um, and fourth and two is way too much to ask for our defense. Uh, the way we played, it's terrible. So that's all I got to say about that. And um, I honestly don't feel that shitty about this loss because um, I feel like even if we do make the playoffs, we're not going to get very far anyway. I'm just happy to see uh, Jordan Love play well. Uh, um, because that's the most important thing about this season is to know that we have a quarterback for next season. As long as we maybe get a new defensive coordinator, some new defensive pieces, um, I think we can be pretty good next year. But this year, yeah, we're going to lose first round of the playoffs if we make it. Well, it's Joe the janitor from Connecticut. Out. Yeah, and I just saw, I just went and checked. I didn't watch the game, but I saw Seattle pulled off an upset against the Eagles, and um, obviously that is a negative for us. We needed Seattle to lose that. That was kind of a big one. I mean, it still is, you know, basically winning your in and, and, and losing your out, but this kind of pushed it more toward the if you lose, you're definitely out, and if you win, you're not as solidified as in. Um, but things are starting to break the wrong way, and again, Frickin' put yourself in this situation unnecessarily, man. But whatever. Like you said, this is probably the team that we were we always were. We kind of overextended a little bit in some of those good games. It's nice to see the the potential upside, but uh, they're not there yet. Maybe they sneak in and then you know get embarrassed, which sucks. Maybe they don't make the playoffs, which is embarrassing and sucks. But uh, it is what it is, man. That's this year, and we grow and we learn and we move on. Hey, Ryan, Steve up in Alaska. Hey. Out, uh, out moving some snow. Love it. So, game day, Sunday, and uh, didn't get to watch it, but I kept up with the stats and the, and the numbers as they went along. And 
I'm, I'm glad I didn't see it because I, 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 I don't know what, what happened. According to the numbers, you look at the numbers, they, they don't match up with, with the scoreboard. That's not really. When you look at the sacks that we got, I, I don't understand how we got so many yards passing. I, again, I didn't get to see it. I'll have to wait till later till I can check on this, but. You know, this 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 is what I was most worried about happening with this season is that we were just going to show ourselves to be flat, mediocre, and and average. And you know, having having a mediocre football team is like having mediocre sex. <laughs> you know, if it's sex that bad and the football team that's bad, you can just cut it. You just cut it off, gut it, get rid of the whole thing, and not even care. It's all bad. All right. But when it's mediocre. You stick around with this. You try to fix it. What do you try to fix? Uh, you know, this is, you know, you know, and I know there's the happy people out there and they go, oh, don't be all miserable. Look at the bright side. I don't know. This, this is a football team. It's a football game. This is competition. There is no bright side. Either you win or you, either you're good. I mean, I, I hated all those seasons when we were 13 and 3 and we lost in the playoffs. But when we made back-to-back NFC Championship games, I felt good about the team, and I felt good about what was coming. This, uh, you know, we got to see again. we got to see what happens. But this is two years in a row, two years in a row of being mediocre, you know. And, I mean, we're going to end up being like the Vikings. I mean, they've been mediocre for 25 years, and look what that is. We want to be mediocre. No, I don't want to be mediocre. I'd rather, like I said, like I said, it. I'd rather it just be bad, being gutted. We know we're bad, and we know we just got to gut stuff and figure it out and rebuild it from the ground up. But right now, we're—I uh, don't know—who do we get rid of? What do we do? Mediocre sex, man. It's disappointing. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Generally, just disappointing. All right, go pack. Let's uh, get on to the next game. See what happens with that one. Well, again, I don't know if I'm able to comment on that directly, um, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is an element of, you know, this is two years in a row where the team hasn't been very good. And then, you know, at the end of this year, we say, okay, well, look at the bright side. I mean, we, we I think we have a quarterback and the offensive coordinator slash head coach seems to be able to put guys in a good position and that's good. And um, we certainly have room to grow and these guys are young and can get better and a new defensive coordinator can help to at least improve to some degree that the talent that we have and better identify where we actually are strong and not. And, you know, there's, there's a path forward. And so what are we doing? Well, we're last year, we were mediocre, but Hey, there's a bright side. And then this year we're mediocre, but Hey, there's a bright side. And it's like, well, we knew that this was going to be like this, but next year is going to be better. And it's like, boy, really sounding like bears fans right now. <laughs> like, I'm not saying that it's incorrect, but at some point, like if, if next year we're kind of mediocre and we come up with excuses and say that, well, we knew it was going to be like this, it's going to take time, and we knew this was going to be a multi-year, so next year's, you're, you're basically the Bears at that point, you know, where it's it's the same thing every year. Bears fans are like, yeah, that sucked, but like we knew it was going to suck. We, we, we knew that it was going to be like this because we need this, and like once we get it, you know, we got the first pick and we got $100 million in cap space. Like, it's going to be so much better next year. And then it was bad, and it's like, well, we obviously is bad. I mean, we still need 
like this. And like, it's, you know, I mean, give, next year is going to be so much better though. Cause we, we have two picks in the first round plus the number one pick. Like we're gonna fix it, dude. It's like, you've been saying that for 35 years, bro. You've been saying that for 35 years. You've been right. Like once <laughs> you've been, or twice, or how, how, whatever, however you gauge success. You've been to the playoffs a few times, Super Bowl once, and NFC Championship, which I don't remember exactly who you played or how that went. Something like getting beat by the Packers or something at home. I don't know. Don't remember. But uh, you know, yeah, it, 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 we'll 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 see how it goes. But if if this continues, then it, it gets to be a bit of an issue. I get what you're saying. All right, let's do one more, and we're out of here. Oh, fudge. Only I didn't say fudge. I said the word, the big one, the queen mother of dirty words, the F dash 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 word. Dang. You said that, huh, Uncle Rico? That's a rough one, man. You got people saying F words. The fudge word, man? Serious. And uh, Matt LaFleur should take note of what he's doing to this team by not firing Joe Barry. Like, we have Uncle Rico fudging everywhere right now. Like, he's just out fudging, which it kind of parallels what Steve was talking about. Never mind. Anyways, I'm tired. I'm going to bed. Uh, appreciate all the calls. I will do my best to get through them all. And Nate, I promise I will get to work on that as soon as I possibly can. I will get that show done. Um, by the way, for those of you that are curious, what Nate would like me to do, and the deposit has been made, so the commitment is done. He wants me to look at Xavier Leggett, which I am beyond excited to look at. I've already watched him like in, when I did the 15 wide receivers just very quickly through. In fact, let me see where I ranked him, just out of curiosity. I hate doing this because it's like, it's going to turn out I hated him or something, and I'm going to feel stupid. So I had him at number eight, and then he would like me to look at Johnny Wilson, the wide receiver, so I think he's into the big old boys. Uh, Johnny Wilson, I had pretty low. I must not have cared for him too much. I had him 15th out of the 16 that I looked at. Brendan Rice, I don't think I looked at, so that'll be a new one. Um, and my man, offensive tackle, um, poof. I've heard the name before, but I'm not even, we'll figure it out and we'll talk about it tomorrow. But three wide receivers, one of them is Jerry Rice's son, and then an offensive tackle. That will be on the bonus episode. Anyways, you guys have a good night. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.